Welcome to the Richard Roper Podcast. I'm Richard Roper. This is the first podcast of 2024, 2024. Uh, we're still allowed to say Happy New Year, as we saw famously on Curb Your Enthusiasm a few years ago. There is a limit. Hey, Larry. Randy. You got it. Yeah. I'm a friend of Susie's. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Happy New Year. Eh, it's a little late, frankly, for the Happy New Year's, you know? Why? Just happened a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, that's too long. Uh, statute of limitations is kind of run out on the New Year's. Three days. Plenty. Three days. When you get to mid-January, it's a little late. But right now, it's still time to say Happy New Year. And thanks to everybody who's been uh, checking out the podcast. Uh, tons of stuff to talk about today. We got entertainment news involving Taylor Swift. What a shocker. Why Barbie is now uh, in a different category in the Oscars. And much, much more to talk about. But first, here's your reminder. The Richard Roper Show is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's online business environment, you need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing, all to drive your overall business's success. Because they believe that today's online world is your online opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. AmericanEagle.com. That's AmericanEagle.com. All right, we're going to start off. Right off the bat here, we've been talking about this just like everybody else has ever since the uh, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey romance kicked in whenever it did kick in. And the Chiefs in recent weeks, really almost all season long, have not been performing uh, to their top standards, to expectations. Travis Kelsey's had kind of an on and off year. So uh, once again, we're hearing from men, men, oh man, come on, men. Come on, man. Uh, various men, self-appointed manly men in some cases, who want to blame the pop singer, the mogul, the icon, the influencer, the great Taylor Swift. They want to blame the woman in the press box or in the, the guest uh, stadium box, the sky box, if you will. There you go. I want to blame the woman in the sky box for what's happening with her boyfriend's team on the field. It's got nothing to do with the offensive line not protecting Mahomes. It's got nothing to do with Travis Kelsey not being 22 anymore. It's got nothing to do with the level of competition, figuring out different offensive schemes. It's got nothing to do with Matt Nagy now being the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And if you're a Bears fan like I am, you know what a effing disaster that can be it's got nothing to do with any of that it's because taylor swift is a distraction that's what some people are saying anyway this reminds me of the original rocky which by the way is 50 years ago so you know and and mickey remember mickey the burgess meredith character it was 120 then so he had basically 19th century values but mickey at one point told rocky uh not to have the sex with uh, with the girlfriend adrian because in Mickey's immortal words, women weaken legs. Women weaken legs. Listen, kid, you, you lay off that pet shop game. Women weaken legs. Yeah, but I really like this girl, you know? But let her train you! Okay, no more fooling around. Okay, I hit it. Women weaken legs, huh? That's what he told him. And this is sort of that same sort of mentality saying, you know, watch out. If you get distracted, you can't do your manly job. So Ted Nugent, uh, you know, 
infamous, famous uh, rock and roller from the 60s and 70s, uh, who's a big survivalist guy and a hunter and a MAGA guy and always, you know, quick to share his opinion. And, you know, God bless him. He gets to do that. But uh, Ted Nugent uh, has decided and, and Taylor Swift probably doesn't know who Ted Nugent is. And probably a lot of you folks don't know, don't know who Ted Nugent is. Uh, but, you know, he had some he had some big album rock, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, I don't know. I was never a huge fan. He had two or three songs that Stranglehold is his most famous song. But here's Ted Nugent, who is uh, he was on some podcasts and he says uh, in this world that's gone down the toilet in all aspects. I love when the when the when the old fucks say the world has gone down the toilet in all aspects. He says, I'm afraid the success of Taylor Swift. Uh, and he does say, God bless her work ethic. God bless her musical dreams. But he says that's cartoon music, said Ted Nugent. It doesn't have any piss and vinegar. There's no fire, no sensibility at all. It's all poppy nonsense as far as I'm concerned. And it's the most popular stuff in the world, which is an indictment to the music industry and the music fans. First of all, I think some of her music actually has a lot of substance. Also, pop music has always been probably the most popular, among the most popular. But the thing that kind of kills me is that, you know, Ted Nugent is known for songs like Cat Scratch Fever, Stormtroop, and Wango Tango. And Wang Dang Sweet Putang. He is not the Amadeus of our times. He's not the John Lennon of our times. He's not even the ZZ Top of our times. So, you know, take it with the grain of whatever. But Ted Nugent, you know, criticizing the musical output of Taylor Swift and the content is kind of rich in its irony. Uh, here's another story. This one from Deadline. Tom Tapp is the writer. Professional hot take performance artist Skip Bayless, who for years has been going after LeBron James, has set his sights on a new ratings booster. That's right, Taylor Swift. Uh, he tweeted out, feel like it's about time to call Taylor Swift a distraction. What do you think, Patrick? Andy? How about you, Travis? That would be Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and, and Travis Kelsey, I'm assuming those are the three people he's talking to. And um, this is, as they mentioned here, uh, it's an old play from the Bayless hot take playbook. Uh, and that's true. Skip Bayless is, you know, he, he said years ago, I mean, like, I just had to be like 15, 16 years ago. Skip Bayless, he's famously a Dallas Cowboys guy, right? That's, that's his team. Uh, and, and he talked years ago about how Tony Romo, they might know Tony Romo cause now he's, uh, one of the commentators on the, uh, on the NFL games, but he had a very long and, and pretty strong career with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he says that he said back in the day that because Tony Romo wasn't involved in a relationship with Jessica Simpson, that that was a distraction. So apparently Skip Bayless is also in this camp that says, you know, these women are a distraction and they get in the way. And listen, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, it's one of the most high profile romances of this century. There's a lot of coverage of it. But if you think that professional athletes out there hundreds upon hundreds of them don't have outside interest. You're not paying attention. First of all, there's tons of uh, athlete entertainer romances, whether it's actresses or singers. And, you know, it, this goes back to Joe DiMaggio with Marilyn Monroe. Now, Joe DiMaggio was retired, actually, when he met Marilyn Monroe. But there's been, and even before that, for as long as we've had sports celebrities and entertainment celebrities, there's there have been hookups between them. Joe Namath, the name that some of you might still remember, Broadway Joe, they called him, and he famously led the Jets to the biggest upset 
to this day in Super Bowl history. It's kind of what put the NFL on the map. They were like 16-point underdogs. I think it was the third Super Bowl. The Packers had crushed uh, the, the Raiders and the Chiefs in the first two Super Bowls. Everybody thought the NFL was way better than the AFL. They were two separate leagues at the time. And Joe Namath famously predicted, he guaranteed that the Jets would beat the Colts, even though they were huge underdogs. And they call him Broadway Joe because even though Joe was a, he was a Southern guy, he went to Alabama, he really had taken to the New York nightlife. He opened eventually this bar called Bachelors 3 that got into some murky waters, shall we say. Uh, he pursued a Hollywood career. He was in uh, some movie. There was one movie called CC Rider. You can look it up. There were all kinds of photos and press opportunities back in the day. Joe Namath wearing a fur coat on the sidelines. Joe Namath with Raquel Welch, with Anne Margaret. I don't know if they were romances or just real movie promotions, but nobody had more distractions than Joe Namath back in the day. And I guarantee you, if you looked up old copies of Sports Illustrated, there's probably some crusty old misogynist blaming subsequent injuries or shortcomings of Joe Namath on distractions. It is, of course, bullshit. It's ridiculous, and I think it's embarrassing to these men who are, like, saying that she's the distraction. That's why the Chiefs aren't uh, performing to speed. Okay, you know, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. We're going to talk about Portillo's, and then we've got some other very interesting, and in a few cases, almost inexplicable stories in the worlds of uh, pop culture and entertainment. All right, we're going to talk about Portillo's. You guys know the drill here. They're known for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the famous correct Chicago ingredients, right down to that poppy seed bun. But there's so much more. They got great burgers. You can get Italian sausage, Italian beef, amazing French fries. Also, some really good salads. Don't shortchange the salads at Portillo's. And then, of course, you top it off with the legendary, the one and only, chocolate cake. I know people who order the entire cake for birthdays and other occasions, but you can also get a, a slice, which will probably last you two helpings because it's amazing. And always, of course, you keep the cake at room temperature. That's how they do it at Portillo's. That's how you want to consume it. Now, there are Portillo's in many locations across the country, but you can also order online and ship it via Portillo's.com. You can find a location near you, order online, Portillo's, P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com, Portillo's.com. Okay, we are back. Uh, you may have heard about this. Uh, Mickey Mouse now belongs to the world in a way. Uh, the 1st of January marks the time when some characters and stories enter the public domain. So we've seen that with other characters, and we've talked about it here. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, an iteration of Winnie the Pooh. At some point, the, the domain runs out. I'm not well-versed in the legalese, folks, but there's not a way for the original creators to retain all rights. At a certain point, it's like certain songs which go into the public domain after 150 years. So uh, Winnie the Pooh, for example, we got a horror film called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, and there was nothing the original estate or anybody could do about that. Uh, we had the mean one, which took the Grinch and turned him into a, a you know, a sadistic killer. So now the 
1928 short cartoon called Steamboat Willie introduced us to the character of Mickey Mouse. That version of Mickey, the Steamboat Willie version of Mickey and Minnie and whoever else is in Steamboat Willie and I think some other early works, but definitely that version of Mickey uh, is part of the public domain now. So if you want, you can take a Mickey Mouse likeness the way he looked in Steamboat Willie and do horror movies, which they that seems to be the go-to thing. So we've already got uh, two horror movies in the works. One's called Mickey's Mousetrap. Uh, what we found so far from these these kind of you know cheap horror knockoffs is they're not very good. And it would be interesting if somebody could come up with something other than the horror motif. I, I don't know if they want to play off of the fact that these beloved characters, I don't know the Grinch is supposed to be scary, but I like to make them super scary. Uh, but it is interesting. Disney has issued a statement saying, we will continue to protect our rights in the more modern versions of Mickey Mouse and other works that remain subject to copyright. And we will work to safeguard against consumer confusion caused by unauthorized uses of Mickey and other iconic characters. So if there's other versions of Mickey, and I'm, I guess they're talking as much about the the character. I don't know how you could completely protect that, but the actual animated renderings of Mickey Mouse through the years, or perhaps even like the uh, the costumed uh, cast members, as they call them. I don't think you could just have a costume cast member from Disney World circa 2007 in your horror movie now because they still have a copyright on that. So I would say tread lightly and also be more creative than that. I, to me, it's sort of like if that's the best you can come up with. Okay, now a beloved cartoon character or fantasy character is in the public domain. Let's do a horror movie. It's kind of been done already and not that well. So Mickey Mouse is out there for the taking, partially, sort of, kind of in the same vein as taking uh, characters and turning them into something else. Uh, Barbie, Greta Gerwig's huge triumph, of course, the meta comedy that made like a billion dollars and got critical acclaim and was just, uh, and also also you know, resulted in some bizarre toxic male uh, overreactions. But okay, so Barbie has been campaigning in the awards uh, season that we're kind of entering in now. Barbie has been campaigning to be in the best original screenplay for the upcoming awards season. So they wanted to be up for best original screenplay. That would be uh, Greta Gerwig and her partner, Noah Baumbach, wrote the, the, the brilliant screenplay, which was subversive and funny and clever and ultimately actually very warm and just terrific. And they thought, well, this is an original screenplay. There wasn't a fictional, fun comic book about Barbie that they adapted. There wasn't a, a novelization. Well, if it was a novelization, it would come out after. But there wasn't a novella, if you will, or a novel. Nobody wrote a Barbie origin story. Barbie, Barbie has her story, of course, we know. But Mattel didn't really ever come out with this giant uh, Barbie uh, origin story. Barbie was kind of, you know, came prepackaged, so to speak. And there were there have been a bunch of crummy Barbie uh, cartoons and things like that, and obviously uh, you know television commercials. But it's a completely original work. However, what the Academy is saying is this is the, the writers' branch of the uh, of the Academy when they determine what's original, what's adapted. What they're saying is is they are existing characters that Barbie and Ken and Midge 
and whoever else the hell was in there, you know, that they did. And of course they did. They're existing characters. So you're adapting those characters, even though the work is 100% original work. I, I don't know. To me, I guess they're saying then, not that it ever got nominated, but if the Transformers movies, for example, or the Lego movies, anything where you're taking a toy or a, an action figure, G.I. Joe, and again, these movies have not had to worry too much about uh, nominations, although Lego movies fantastic. The idea here is that if it's an existing character, not even character, I would say, an existing piece of merchandise, uh, that it's going to go in the adapted category. There's been a lot of... Uh, talk over the years about, you know, for example, uh, Moonlight uh, was based on a play and went on to an adapted screenplay, even though I don't think the play went into production anywhere. It was written in Chicago until after the movie became a success. But I could see that because there was a work called Moonlight that had the basic framework of the story. So you are adapting that. Uh, there's some been some battles over the years about other things, about whether or not it's an original. I mean, to me, it's like, you know, if you're telling the story, obviously, if it's based on a book or if it's based on the life of someone or if it's based on stories about that person, it's going to be an adapted screenplay. I just thought it was kind of bizarre that Barbie is going to be in the best adapted screenplay and not in best original screenplay because there were Barbie dolls in the past. OK, um, we're kind of bumping up against uh, time constraints here, but we have a few more minutes. So I do want to tell you guys about a few uh, new releases that are out. Some of them came out at the end of last year and are just now going wide internationally, but uh, in most cases, new stuff. There's a terrific film called Memory. It's amazing you didn't catch them, are you? Well, I haven't been sick in years. You just got lost a minute ago. No, I didn't get lost. Listen, I apologize if I made you feel uncomfortable the other night. It's fine. It's, it's not fine. My uncle talks about you a lot. My dad and I were maybe thinking you could care for him during the day. All you'd have to do is be there and go on walks and stuff. Why did you follow me home from the party? Or do you only remember when it's convenient? I don't remember. Hi, welcome back. The usual for you? Oh, yeah. What's the usual? I don't know. Uh, you no. Do you remember her? No. Uh, it stars Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard. And it's, uh, oh man, I got to tell you, it's really fascinating. So Jessica Chastain plays um, a woman who, work, who lives in New York City. She works as a social worker. She's got some issues she's 13 years sober she's got a 13 year old daughter i don't think those two things are, are are not connected but she's had some trauma in her past deep deep trauma that will surface later in the story and maybe can't uh trust her memory but it's the peter sarsgaard character who really uh can't trust his memory he plays a character named saul who has a form of dementia where he can sometimes remember things from 20 years ago but can't remember what just happened uh and actually says in the movie at one point that watching movies are a futile exercise for him because by the time he gets to the end of the movie he can't remember what happened at the beginning of the movie or he goes to a restaurant that he knows he likes and everybody greets him as a regular but he can't remember ever having been there before or what he has eaten so she becomes his caretaker and then they enter into a friendship and then it becomes something more 
And it's very unsettling because you're like, okay, we have two people that have been through a lot. Uh, Jessica Chastain's character of Sylvia is, of course, the more responsible, if you will, adult. And I just mean more responsible in terms of being able to take care of herself. But can you fall in love with, and is it responsible to fall in love with somebody who might not be able to remember what happened the night before? Or maybe even who you are at a relatively young age. It's material that's handed. It's very delicate, sometimes unsettling material, but it's handled beautifully. Amazing performances. You know, Jessica Chastain won the Oscar for the Eyes of Tammy Faye. She's Emmy nominated for the Showtime series, George and Tammy. And, and it was great in both of those, but there was so much hair and prosthetics and period piece wigs and everything. It's nice to see Jessica, one of our greatest actresses in a, in a, uh, if you will, I don't want to say a bare bones performance because it's not because it's very complex, but we see her and are reminded of how great she is. And of course, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, who's been good for so long. Terrific stuff. Another movie that handles uh, delicate and uh, in some cases tragic material uh, beautifully is a movie called Good Grief. Do I look older to you? I feel like I've aged a lot. No. Yes, your husband just died. You're allowed. My God. I wanted to thank you both for this year. I would like to take us to Paris for the weekend. We all deserve some joy. Yes, thank you. Where are we staying? You must miss him. It's complicated. Yeah, love is that way. Are you okay? Oliver met someone else. I'm sorry you're having to deal with that, but I'm allowed to feel things too. My husband officially died a year ago today. Such a meticulous person. He left behind one hell of a mess. Do you want to tell him where you ended up last night? We love you. This is us loving you. Which is now available on Netflix. This is Dan Levy from... Uh, Schitt's Creek, who's the writer, the director, the producer, and star of this film, Good Grief. He plays an artist whose uh, husband is killed in a tragic accident, and then he spends the next year processing his grief, learns some secrets about his husband that he didn't know, and then uh, eventually goes to the townhouse in Paris, or an apartment in Paris he didn't even know his uh, husband had, and he goes there with his two best friends, and they kind of go through a lot of uh, ups and downs as they learn certain secrets and are there for each other than not there for each other. It's a beautifully shot film. Uh, I know some people look at it and go, wow, these are the problems of very, very rich uh, people, but that's just what the movie is. Uh, but it has some universal truth. So it's called good grief. It's on Netflix. Definitely worth your time. All right. That's going to do it for the very first podcast of 2024. I'm Richard Roper. Thanks to everybody at American Eagle.com. And thanks to you guys for listening. And we will talk soon.